Welcome to this edition of the Million Dollar Mastermind Podcast. This is where we pick the brains of high achievers from all walks of life and get their hard-earned, real-world insights on winning. I'm your host, Larry Wydell. I'm here with the uh, pleasure of talking with Kara Golden. Hello, Kara. Hello. Thanks for having and, me. And and you're in San Francisco, is that correct? Just outside in Marin County, about 20 minutes over the bridge. Over the bridge. Over yeah. the bridge. I have done the helicopter thing where you fly underneath the bridge and around. <laughs> Yeah, I, I, uh, you're, you're a bigger person than I am because I, I'm, I've been driving on the bridge when that happens, and I'm always, I've always been curious who actually does that because it seems a little scary. It is. It's more scary in retrospect, you know, than when you're there. You know, you, you know, you're, you're, you're. Uh, it's a surreal experience every time you get in a helicopter, as far as I'm concerned. So. Uh, <laughs> yeah, not to think too much about it, but it's. Yeah. Uh, I agree. Yeah. So I, I do photography out in uh, Aspen, and uh, you have to have the doors open in the helicopter, and so you're looking down fourteen thousand feet, you know, and uh, you're saying, "What am I doing? What? Yeah. Why did I, I think this was a good idea?" But another pretty part of the country, too. Yeah. So uh, yeah. I bet your those photos are beautiful. And so, uh, Kara, congratulations uh, for uh, to get everybody up to scale. You started, you know, you've done many things in business, and you're doing many things. And uh, it's always fun when I see somebody with this uh, crazy schedule like you've got, and uh, all the plates spinning because I can I can relate to it. It's like. How did this, you know, how did I get myself into this? You know, but there it's fun. And uh, you know, you 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 get ideas, you try things and you learn things, and you have a lot of fun, meet a lot of people. And you're somebody who has accumulated a wealth of knowledge about how to navigate life successfully. And the proof is in the pudding. The uh, started your uh, company, the We'll hear about that called Hint, yeah, uh, unflavored uh, water, and uh, 2005. Now 200. It says two. What the, the statistics we've got is 262 employees, roughly, uh, and uh, revenue north of 110 million. Does that sound roughly about right? Uh, much higher than that, actually. Okay. But yeah, so we're you know just. Just about two hundred million net. Uh, so um, wow, yeah. So it's wow. uh, hint is now seventeen years in. We are the largest unsweetened flavored water in the U.S. Only available in the U.S. at this point. Um, and uh, yeah, I mean it's it's uh, it's crazy. I mean I I didn't know that. I call myself an accidental entrepreneur. Uh, I had no idea. Uh, I, of course, knew that I was starting a company and launching a new product, but I had no idea that I was starting an entirely new category uh, in the wow. beverage industry, which is called unsweetened flavored water. And why that's important is that you can't get shelf space. Uh, you have to educate the consumer as to why they need it. 
Um, you know, the, the points like when we were trying to actually get it into stores, uh, buyers would say to us, well, if it was such a great category and such an important category, then why isn't Coke or Pepsi doing it? Right. And, you know, and I'm like, I don't know, but I'm here. And, you know, that's, uh, you get a lot of no's uh, along the way, right? When you don't have, when the established players aren't doing what you're doing. And so, so that, that in and of itself, I think is a, when I look at entrepreneurs that have disrupted industries, I'm always so curious who were the name, what were the names that they heard? What were the roadblocks that they heard? And, you know, how did they um, keep going? Right. Because you, you do hear a lot of no's. You have a lot of people, you probably have your own doubts. Uh, but when people are actually telling you why you can't, uh, often people are actually projecting their own thoughts and securities on you. Right. Uh, but, uh, but that was, you know, the early days, the early yeah, days. It's, it's great to be first in, you know, like Bear Aspen, uh, I, you know, I, I, yeah, yeah. Bayer Aspirin, you got a uh, Coca-Cola, you know, the first into the Coke category. You know, that it's great to be the first one to create the category. Unfortunately, it's almost impossible to get going like that. And because people will say, what you ran into, you know, what what is it? You have to do so much education. But you do, if you pull it off, you got an insane advantage uh, uh, because the other people have to fall follow in your footsteps, you know, like and so when you start, like what's fascinating, you talked about disruption. I was uh, looking for this uh, comment while you were talking, like the, Hunt, the Huffington Post listed you as one of the six disruptors in business alongside Steve Jobs and Mark Zuckerberg. Pretty heady uh, uh, colleagues in the disruptor world there. Uh, did that surprise you when you, uh, you, you uh, saw that? It did actually, you know, I've I've been interviewed for a ton of different pieces over over the years, but I actually no one called me uh, for that. Uh, so it just sort of showed up on a on a uh, Google alert one day. So I thought it was uh, I'll take it. Yeah, <laughs> but uh, it was you know a lot of fun, um, and uh, you know I think that that's it's uh, yeah. I mean more than anything, I think. I looked at the other people that were on that list as disruptors, right? Yeah. And, you know, I mean, even Facebook, when Facebook right. was first coming out, uh, you know, there were a lot of people that didn't believe that Mark Zuckerberg could actually get this to market. I mean, he yeah. was still in college, right? right. Uh, there's a lot of people who think, yeah. maybe so much today, but that if you don't go to college, you can't actually develop a company. Well, right. Yeah, actually, there's a lot of people, yeah, you know, a lot of jobs and as well as Mark Bill Gates. I mean, Bill yeah. Gates, I mean, there's yeah. a lot that didn't go. So, you know, that's a wrong statement based on what we know today. Yet, I think, and again, I'm not, you know, bashing going to college. I think that there's other reasons why you'd want to go to university. Um, but I think it's it, it really speaks to 
people are going to have opinions. And how do you keep staying focused and moving forward? Because that is what disruptors do. And how do you get through and how do you keep doing it? Well, that? it just shows like you started with an idea, you got an idea and you wanted to make that a reality. And as a result, you became a disruptor. You weren't, you know, they say, I want to be a disruptor. You wanted to bring an idea forward, it seemed like. Yeah. And I think it's, it's, um, I think it really boils down to having the right habits uh, yeah. that you're, you know, moving forward and, and uh, getting up every day and continuing to work on um, trying to make something happen. I knew that in order to actually launch a beverage, I needed to actually get it on the shelf. Well, before I could get a product on the shelf, I had to figure out how to make it. <laughs> I had to figure out how to get a UPC code. I mean, I didn't come from the beverage industry. And, and I think, frankly, I thought that this process was a lot of fun, too. I was ready. I was at a stage in my life where I wouldn't have said this then, but looking back, I was at a stage in my life where I had kind of risen in the ranks. I was managing a lot of people, and I just wasn't having that much fun. And I wasn't that interested in what I was doing. I had accomplished quite a bit at a pretty young age. And uh, I had uh, worked just to back up. I had worked in in tech and I had started at a little startup that was doing CD-ROM shopping back in 1994, which was the early stages of what is now known today as direct-to-consumer. One of our uh, investors, well, first of all, that CD-ROM shopping company caught my eye when Walt Mossberg, who at the time wrote for the Wall Street Journal, talked about this was an idea that started, it was a Steve Jobs idea inside of Apple that you put all of the graphics on a disc uh, until modem speeds would catch up and then just tell the consumer, just keep upgrading, upgrading. So we kept... uh, you know, discs were everywhere. People were using uh, discs as as coasters, right? For at home. I mean, that was that was the '90s. So I cold called when I, I just moved to San Francisco from New York. I cold called uh, the person that was quoted in the article, who was the head of marketing, and I said, "This seems like a really interesting idea." Uh, I had come from media. I'd worked at a kind of a later stage startup called CNN, which is only in about 40% of the country. Um, That's a whole other story. But uh, I knew nothing about technology. I knew nothing about how this worked. I thought it was really interesting because it was going to make the internet um, potentially... It was the future. It was the vision of what the internet would eventually become once the, uh, you know, the we call the baud modem speed would ultimately catch up. Um, but uh, anyway, so after cold calling, the person convinced him that I he should have coffee with me. Um, and uh, I didn't know anybody in San Francisco. So I just thought, if nothing else, maybe I get to meet one person. Uh, I don't know. And uh, it's funny because as we were having lunch, I said, so what was it like to work for Steve Jobs? 
I had been obsessed with Steve Jobs. Uh, uh-huh. I had an early um, Macintosh computer when I was in college. And he said, well, I'll tell you what, I'll tell you what it's like, what it's been like to work for Steve Jobs if you tell me what it's been like to work for Ted Turner. <laughs> and I and I thought it was fascinating, you know, again, like I didn't work directly for Ted Turner. I was um, many right. right down, but I spoke about sort of something that today we call culture and like this feeling and and like you always knew Ted was in the building, even if he didn't announce it, you could just feel it and you could hear him. And it's sort of, you know, this other piece that I learned uh, early on that when you have founders around, there's a vision, there's an energy that is uh, contagious, right? And people want to follow that. Anyway, so I love the idea for this company. I really didn't go there to go and get a job. It was called Two Market. Um, And after he had heard that I had helped uh, work on something at CNN that was kind of the early stages of of something called the Airport Channel, um, which was putting monitors inside of airports, he said, you should come and help us at Two Market. And I said, what would I do? And he said, well, we need somebody to cold call catalogers and retailers and see if they'll put their catalog on our disc. And I knew nothing about shopping other than the fact that I liked to do it. And I knew which ones would be interesting. And uh, and so I figured, what's the worst that can happen? I mean, if I take the job, I don't know anybody in San Francisco anyway. I mean, I can just forget about this job if it doesn't work out. Uh, but that was, um, it ends up that that was a really good decision because shortly after taking the job and doing things like calling Mickey Drexler, uh, who was the head of the Gap at the time, they didn't have a catalog, trying to convince him that they should be on this disc and step into the internet, step into the future. Uh, that's when one of our investors, America Online, said, we're going to acquire you. And uh, we would like this team to come and help us build out shopping on America Online. So I was running the partnerships on America Online for all e-commerce. And nobody really... I was the youngest vice president. I was one of the few women at that rank. And again, it was from a cold call, from just calling somebody because I was curious about this this company that was sort of solving a problem that I saw as well for what the internet or how do we get to what the internet should be, I guess is is the best way to say it. Well, so far I'm picking up that you've, right from the beginning, you've been interested in companies that were headed into the future and were going to be important and doing important things in the future in terms of CNN and, uh, uh, you know, for some reason you wound up with CNN, you know, and so CNN was uh, uh, a nothing company back then. You know, it was basically a a vehicle uh, uh, to show uh, 
Atlanta Braves baseball games around the country, you know? <laughs> totally. Well, and you know, it's, it's an, it's a funny story because I was, I started my career in New York at, at Time Magazine and I was there for a few years. Um, I very quickly realized that, and again, I think that kind of changed over time, maybe at time, but uh, that the culture that I was in, I had gone to Arizona State University. I hadn't gone to an Ivy League school and time they hired me. Uh, and, but there were limits, uh, that as to wow. where I could go in this company, unless I went and got my MBA. And then one day I got a call from a headhunter who said, there's this company, CNN, that is interested in, in interviewing you. Would you be interested? I loved being in media, but for me, the, the goal was really ABC or maybe NBC, a major network. Right. right. If I was going to go anywhere outside of magazines, I wanted to go to one of those. But they right. weren't hire me. They weren't even going to interview me because I didn't have the right experience. Yeah. And so I viewed getting a job at CNN twofold. One, I wasn't going to be heading up within time unless I decided to go to business school. And so it got me out of there to go to something that would be a stepping stone to eventually get me to ABC. But what I realized really quickly, and this is where you know I mentioned earlier about having a founder around, I really tasted you know the excitement of having a founder around. And you know there were days when Ted would walk in the building and speak to us. He generally was in Atlanta, but he was in New York a lot. And he would speak to us about his vision. And he's like, you know, the world needs 24-hour news. And there's yeah. one feed and it doesn't matter what their government looks like, what language they speak. And it, it will happen. At the time, CNN was in 40% yeah. of U.S. households, um, you know, less than 5% internationally. And here's this guy so confident in his cowboy boots and his suit on that, that this is the way the world is going to work. Thanks for listening to The Million Dollar Mastermind. If you felt there were any valuable takeaways from this episode, please take a minute and leave us a five-star review. Your feedback is important and really helps us get the word out to a wider audience. Remember, we have a valuable webinar that is absolutely free. Register for it right now at whitealamwinning.com. Thanks for listening.